You are listening to the Obstructed View at Sucks podcast. Presented by Beyond the Monster. Welcome back. It's a new episode of the Obstructive View Red Sox podcast. Uh, tonight we're going to talk a little hot stove. It's starting to slowly simmer before the full heat up that'll be coming up, hopefully in the coming, uh, well, we want coming days, but it'll more likely be the coming weeks. Uh, before we get started and talk about some news, we'll go around the horn. Uh, we have Matt with us here tonight. What's going on? Not too much. Thanks, Chris, for having me. Uh, yeah, look, exciting to see uh, some guys starting to sign. We had Nola uh, over the weekend. We had Lance Lynn today, Ronaldo Lopez. So, as you said, starting to heat up. Uh, hopefully, from a Boston perspective, we, we start seeing some action as well, uh, whether it's pitching or even a good bat would be nice. And we'll kick it over to Jamie, who's also with us here tonight. Yeah, I'm just happy the checkbooks are opening a little bit. You know, we're getting a little, a little chaos going. You know, it's good, good to see. Yeah, so the hot stove is starting to heat up. Um, we won't go much into detail with it, but the Phillies did uh, re-sign Aaron Nola, seven years, uh, one seventy-two or whatever it was, uh, one seventy-five, but um. So that was that really kind of set the uh, the tone for free agency, and then on Monday, Lance Lynn is going to go back to the Cardinals, uh, where he pitched earlier in his career. So really, just kind of some in that respect, more of a, I would say, kind of like the bottom tier of the starting pitching market that that went out to uh, on uh, on Monday. But Nola kind of set the ball rolling, and then obviously Yamamoto officially was posted to Major League Baseball on Monday. Teams can start to bid on him Tuesday morning at 8 o'clock. And then based off of a uh, report out of New York, it looks like that he's going to wait until the first week of December before he is going to start talking to teams. So uh, with that being said, rumored that the Red Sox are going to be one of the teams and are rumored one of the teams is going to be hot after uh, Yamamoto. Uh, the Yankees, the Mets. I would also probably say the Dodgers are going to be in in that market. I would be I wouldn't be shocked if if the Braves were involved a little bit. I mean, if the Braves were going to go seven years, or we'll say this roughly around the money that the Phillies gave to Nola, I'd have to imagine the Braves are going to be involved in that in that mix as well. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that market is going to be fun to see develop. Um, obviously, I feel like for a lot of teams, he is the top choice, especially considering how much Otani is going to cost. Um, it's probably going to be, you know, him and then Montgomery are kind of the top arms left. Be nice if the Sox got him. Um, but it's going to be fun to kind of watch that bidding war, you know, develop here over the next couple of weeks heading into, um, you know, especially that first week in December once reports start leaking on, you know, how that bidding is going. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, too, on the Yamamoto bidding. Like, are we going to have leaks, you know, such as uh, whether he's visiting or team, you know, he's narrowed down the teams. I know I was reading the other day with Tanaka years ago with the Yankees. Cashman was like, yeah, we weren't sure if we are the highest bidder or not. 
because they're so secretive. I mean, I know the system's changed a bit, but I'll be uh, curious. We saw with Yoshida last year, it was kind of just like, oh, yeah, Sox signed Yoshida. It was kind of out of nowhere. So I'll be curious to see what the rumor mill will look like on Yamamoto and how strong it actually is. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think if you start hearing more teams come out, then maybe it's only like a small amount that is interested and in that it's the agent side trying to say like, hey, you know, Team X is involved. But I would have to imagine it's going to be a pretty robust, um, you know, market for him before, you know, it really gets serious with the, with the true suitors, you know, the Yankees, the Mets, obviously the Red Sox, um, you know, et cetera. But, you know, we'll see. You know, I, I think it's – there's so much out there on Yamamoto, you know what I mean? Like, people know about the numbers. They know about the pitches. We know that he's 25. There's really not much more that can be said other than, you know, when's he taking meetings? Who's he going to meet with? Because then when you start to, like, truly know, hey, he's meeting with the Yankees, then you can have conversations and be like, all right, well, Yamamoto and Garrett Cole it would be, you know, that one-two punch. Um he would be the one in Boston. There is no two yet. You know what I mean? Is that going to weigh in on on decisions? No. More than likely, it's going to come down to this. It's going to come down to how much money, at the end of the day, teams are going to be willing to give Yamamoto. Um, and and that's I, really what it's going to be. Nola wanted to stay in Philadelphia because he's been there since you know he's broke into the league. Um, years is more important for him. Then money initially, he wanted like an eight-year deal from Philly. Philly had offered six at one point. They met at seven. So that's kind of, you know, how that ended up happening. But it'll it'll be interesting. So I want to go too, too crazy on Yamamoto because, again, you know, I, I think there's there's so much that's been said. Until he starts to meet with teams, you can start to compare what their rosters could look like with him on. Um but the Red Sox, some Red Sox news. So on Friday, the Red Sox treated Luis Urias. He's going to be a Seattle Mariner. Uh, they acquired right-handed relief pitcher Isaiah Campbell, which is an interesting move. One, because uh, you got something for Urias who was going to be non-tendered. And the fact that you got a young pitcher back in this move and someone who has got, you know, he's got a good fastball it's been all about location whether he can locate these pitches and whatnot but the red sox did pretty well in this deal and you know i would say this type of move is something that people have been wanting this front office to do the last handful of seasons when you had players that were going to be potential non-tenders or guys that you weren't going to keep on your 40 for the rule five draft and try to turn them into some sort of asset you turn to luis urias who hit two big grand slams here, and that's it. And was here for, a, a, you know, a cup of coffee. And you got a controlled, decent right-hander out of the deal. Yeah. I mean, I like the deal a lot for that return. I th- think he had like 28 innings last year. His first taste of the majors, he had the area under three. Um, you can never have enough arms to the bullpen, especially for someone who I feel like at the when they got him at the deadline, it was kind of, you know, if – Arias turned into something long-term, that was great, but the expectations weren't high based on what he did before. To get a young, controllable arm, um, especially in the first, you know, few weeks of the offseason is big. Um, and it'd be interesting to see what role he takes on the bullpen. I mean, we know it's still going to be a strong suit with Jansen as the closer. 
Martin back there. Um, I know Chris Murphy struggled, but he also had some stretches when he looked pretty good. You know, adding Campbell into that mix, not, you know, you still have to add more arms, but the bullpen looks decent, you know, just based off um, that group that's in there right now with Campbell added into the mix. Yeah, I'm curious, too, when I was looking through Campbell's numbers and everything, I'm like, okay, what is wrong with this deal? There's got to be some red flag. There's got to be some catch because I mean, he seems like a really good reliever. I know, obviously, he's just a rookie, but the only thing I saw, he had an elbow cleanup surgery back in 2021, but has been healthy since. So, yeah, I mean, for Brezel's first, uh, first trade, I think he did pretty well. Uh, and I'll be curious, too, to see with other guys in the mix, and we have – Schreiber, um, you have Whitlock. I can't imagine is going anywhere, but uh, maybe Winkowski. You also have Mata, who's out of options. Like, yeah, you know, is this, you know, get Campbell in here and then maybe flip one of those guys, maybe a Kelly or a Robertson, like, or is this just build on depth? So be uh, be interesting to see if any movement comes out of that. Yeah, I mean, he's got options. So if he wasn't to make the team out of spring training, you know, you can at least stash him down in AAA and he'll, he'll be able to pitch on a regular basis. Um, but yeah, I mean, the ultimately, you know, people are trying to figure out why would this, why was this kid available? You know, yeah, he had that, that elbow uh, piece. Um, when the Mariners drafted him, they envisioned him as being part of their starting rotation alongside like, you know, their other young arms like George Kirby. Um, but the Mariners decided that they wanted to move him into the bullpen and Campbell um, once he started to pitch in the bullpen and realized like, Hey, I'm throwing less pitches and I'm getting kind of more bang for my buck here. It, it just kind of made sense for him. So um, I, I think it's a good move um, strictly from the fact that, you know, in months and years past and when the Red Sox were to pick up a pitcher who seemingly fans did not know about what was the typical cry oh another reliever that's got a six era if you're just looking at it from that perspective you know the 2.83 era there was no whining and complaining about eras and everything else you know but in the grand scheme of things it's a good young live arm handful of pitches that he can that he can offer it's impressive that he went from double A all the way up to bigs, skipping that triple A. You don't see that happen often. Um, you know, he relied on, you know, fastball, slider, sweeper. Um he was ranked highly on in with uh the athletics Keith Law, which again, I you know, I noticed some people are using that out on, on social media, but then these are the same are pissed when Keith Law ranked the Red Sox as having a low system. So you can't have you can't have your cake and eat you can't go and use the good narrative when you want to bash Keith Law. But um I think the, one of the biggest pieces here though is that he has a uh, a fastball that can go from 95 to 97 and has reached 99. And you know based off what we're hearing about Breslow he values arms that can throw incredibly hard. Um, and that seems to be the trend here. So, like, last piece, though, really quick, though, with Urias, you know, I don't want to sell him short because he was hurt. He was, um, you know, battling back from that um, injury this year. So, you know, the Mariners are definitely betting on the upside. They're definitely betting. The big bet for them is that last year was last year, and he's healthy because he's healthy. And can refine that bat. 
AJ Scott, a 20 home run hitter, mm-hmm. more than likely. Uh, doesn't play good defense, but they got it. They got a pretty good, you know, stick for a, a an unproven, you know, reliever. So, not a bad deal. I think it's a win win for both teams. Yeah, no, I agree. I feel like especially just for Breslow's first, we uh, owe to Meyer, but like that's a good way to start off the off season. Also, the Rockies get guy they signed to a minor league deal is kind of the same thing of throwing hard. Um, I know he topped off at 96 in the fall instructional. Um, I'm forgetting his last name. It's like Oliveras, I think. Uh, but before he had shoulder injuries um, in 22 and all of last year in the regular season, he topped 100. Um, so, you know, having guys like Campbell that throws hard and like um, – you know, the Rockies former top prospect that can throw upper 90s, you know, 100 a couple years ago. It seems like Rezzo loves those power arms and stocking up on those is never a bad, you know, never a bad thing. The Red Sox also on Friday night uh, made a couple of decisions. So they they uh, set, I'm not really set the or phrase that. They uh, added two minor league prospects. So, uh, Gonzalez, as well as Luis Perales, was added to the 40 man roster. So, they'll be protected from the rule five draft. It's going to happen in December. Uh, they did not protect Shane Drohan. We'll get into that in a second. And they not tendered Wyatt Mills. Uh, not surprised by the Wyatt Mills, you know, um, non tender. I know that he has big uh, around the arm, but, you know, I think last year, Breslow probably looked at the Red Sox and was saying, too many arms on the IL. I can kind of move on. Um, and, you know, Wyatt Mills will catch on somewhere else. Or maybe he comes back on a future minor league deal. I don't know. But, um, I like, that was the right move. No, no, since they needed to hold up a 40-man spot on, on really a guy that was DF8 last year. That Then they traded um, a prospect who had in Jacob Wells, a great AFL, by the way. Um, but uh, Mills is gone. Drohan was a little bit of a surprise by not being added to the 40-man roster. And got to see him, obviously, in Worcester. And whenever Drohan pitched and I was there, like, that was generally, the you know, the games that I would like to, you know, I would go to probably five or six games a week. But when the season started to dwindle down, I was able to get that. So I kind of had to cherry-pick games. And the Drohan starts for me were, you know, pay-per-view viewing in my opinion, you know, because he had such a live arm and there was a lot of hype around him. And I really liked to watch him pitch, but I think in my opinion, looking at trying to take an unbiased to it, um, his fastball is just not good. doesn't get a good fastball. You, you know, you, your fastball sitting at 90, is just not going to play, and it, it, he got his head kicked in in AAA. Um, or down, he was an issue. The cramp, the the cap was an issue, and I just think the Red Sox are going to roll the dice. But I think the Red Sox realize that hey, this kid's ceiling might be double. Yeah, I mean, I was in. One of I was surprised with with Drohan. I feel like Perales last year he's gotten better every year. Um, we've seen him consistently rise up, you know, the prospect rankings. 
Um, Gonzalez was stellar in the second half, especially with his strikeout stuff. Uh, it felt like every time he pitched, you know, Red Sox speed rider was, you know, tuning out his impressive lines and what he did. Um, and to your point, too, it seemed like Johan entered the season with a lot of hype. And as soon as he got to AAA, that's kind of where he hit. Kind of felt like his first major roadblock or his first roadblock in a while. Um, and I feel like had that not happened, he'd probably been a no-brainer to protect. But his troubles in Worcester, um, like the Sikers, I feel like were a big reason why the Sox kind of, you know, err on the side of caution that if he doesn't get picked up in the Rule 5, they can work with him. Um, yeah. yeah, and I wonder how the rest of the league values them because obviously once you not protect or protect the player, you can't trade them until after the rule five. But if they if they were content with moving on with them, with obviously putting them out there as uh, could be picked in the rule five, why not flip them before the you know before we, uh, that deadline? Um, obviously, he could not. His chance he could just be back and not get picked and move on, but if you're content just letting him go, you might as well get something for him. Yeah, I mean, I would just say, you know, it's going to be a team that's going to have a 40-man spot open that's probably going to need a lefty, and you know, the value in selecting him, even though he struggled in AAA, is you know you have that control over him if you're if you know if you're the A's and you have zero like you're not going to compete or be in a spot to compete you can you can grab a Shane Drowan and stash him in your bullpen he'll be Thad Ward basically and then he'll end up getting some like he'll be fatigued or the calf will go out and he'll go on the IL and they'll they'll play the game you know what I mean so to that respect or he just doesn't get drafted you know what I mean I mean there's Teams are smart. So, well, I say that, and Dombrowski took Noah Song, who hadn't thrown a pitch in years. But um, but for the most part, teams are smart. So, it's to me, it's more than likely like, hey, you know, there's a chance he could go. But if he does, then I, I just – I wouldn't go and – the problem is that people are going to get all wrapped up into it too because of prospect rankings. and You know what I mean? And they're only going to look at the dominance in double-A. They're going to be blind to the – you know, his just poor performance in AAA, you know, and the poor performance in AAA is going to be, well, he was in like AAA or whatever, but when he was in AA, he dominated, it was, you know, the kid needs to be called up. I can't tell you how many times that I, I saw tweets that people wanted Shane Drowan to be someone to make a start. He struggled so much in AAA, people wanted him to start. Now he's been added to the 40-man roster. Speaks, I think it speaks a lot to it. I don't think it has anything to do with, like, how he worked, if he's a hard worker, uh, the team raved about him in spring training. Um, the Woo Sox coaching staff uh, from Chad Tracy to uh, to Paul Abbott, like not a bad thing to say about the kid. So I don't think it's anything to do with that. It's just he struggled at AAA. Maybe double A's a ceiling. Maybe not. We'll find out. We'll find out in a couple of weeks if someone selects him. Um, I listened to the Sox Specs uh, process of the Sox Specs Red Sox podcast. And um, on their podcast, they, they let, um, they had access, were able to see some of the minor league uh, players for the rule five portion of the draft that were un- basically unprotected. And I'm not going to go into the whole breakdown of how the whole thing works. If you want to know how the rule five draft for the minor league portion works, listen to the Sox Specs podcast. Um, podcast that just came out and Hatfield 
breaks it down beautifully. Uh, I'm not even going to attempt to do that. With it being said, though, um, Ryan Fitzgerald was not protected on uh, for the minor league portion of the draft. He does feel like someone that's going to get selected, and if you are selected as a minor league Rule 5 player, um, you're gone. That's it. You're done. Like You're now part of that other team's organization. Um, and I, to be honest with you, I kind of hope that he does. I kind of hope that he does get selected somewhere that maybe he'll have a legitimate opportunity to crack a big league roster at some point because he's hit well at AAA. He's played all over the diamond at AAA. They've, they've used him as the face of the Sox the last two years. Um, he's done more than enough to get an opportunity, but again, I understand the opportunity versus talent, but. He's done more than enough to get an opportunity and he hasn't got it with the Red Sox. So if he is drafted and I think he will be, um, I hope that he goes to a spot where he might have a, an easier and a faster track to get the picks. Yeah. I hope that was true too. I feel like he's kind of, especially in spring training, he's been like the spring, spring training star the last two years. Um, you know, he's always hit, ends up in the teens and home teens and home runs. Um, it just hasn't materialized in Boston that opportunity to be good to see him go somewhere else to kind of get, that chance maybe the pirates they need some help in the infield maybe the pirates pick them up you don't know i'm just throwing it out there um but it would be great to see him kind of flourish um and get a shot uh, get a shot somewhere else especially with i mean if you're like in boston you have valdez um stories back healthy they have you know a lot of infield options that just makes it harder for him to get you know a chance Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, no, it's all you. I was gonna segue, but if you got something, go. No, all you. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, if he, um, you know, if he gets selected by a team, hopefully, it's a team that he can get more playing time with, um, because he's, I, I think he's done a lot that was asked of him within the Red Sox system, and just he just hasn't cracked, um, you know the big leagues yet and uh it'd be a cool story um if he were to do so but uh only time will tell so um those are the couple of red Sox notes that we had yamamoto's posted there was the trade uh wyatt mills uh was non-tendered uh anything else that we want to do in a last little quick around the horn um i mean i really i feel like we've kind of like we talked about before we go on we've kind of seen not like the bargains, um, with the exception of Noah, but I feel like kind of like the Lance Lynn. Uh, we've seen the Braves trade a lot of kind of former top prospects. Um, we saw the trade like the Braves Soroka for like six guys that probably were going to get non-tendered. Um, I mean, it's good to see a little CMA picked up and see some of these minor moves, you know, getting started. Um, and it's, you know, I feel like we could see a lot of next week with non-tenders or kind of as teams kind of continue to reshape their rosters, but it feels good to be, even though it's not the craziest part, it feels like we're kind of in like, if we're on a cooking, cooking stove, we're at like the five temperature. Like Chris said, we're like at the simmering. So I can't just wait for the next two couple weeks with the rule five draft winter meetings come up um, to see things really pick up. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. It's always interesting with the cat. It's like a cat and mouse game. It's like, who's going to, Who's gonna blink first? Um, curious, like, to some of the teams that 
obviously not everyone's going to be in on Otani and all those other big free agents, John Moto. Like, do they take advantage where other teams are like, no, we're going to hold our money, hold steady, because there's a chance they, these guys could sign and they end up getting the all these bargain deals and then someone's going to be left out and turn around and nothing's not going to be available. I'm also I'm really interested to see the, how the glass now market develops. I feel like he's a guy that obviously can help a contending team. I'm oh, just yeah. interested to see. Oh, oh, Chris. Okay, give me a bold take. Give me a bold take. I just think it's the Dodgers. I think it's the, I think the Dodgers are going to come away with someone who's at the top of the pitching market as a free agent signing. And I think they're going to make a trade. I think they've been connected to Dylan Cease. Uh, I mean, you have Friedman's connection. He used to be obviously be in Tampa. Um, to me, Glasnow makes a ton of sense. I think, you know, Glasnow going there, pitching there a year, and then getting extended. Um, I think if people have visions of Glasnow pitching anywhere in the AL East, the Rays, I think, would trade them to one of the four other teams. But you're going to pay – through the nose, it would almost be better to go and overpay for a free agent than it would be to pay the price that Tampa is going to ask for to trade, you know, a guy like Glasnow within the division. So anytime that I see, you know, one of those Red Sox articles of, you know, should the Red Sox go get Glasnow? Yes, of course they should. But is that going to happen realistically? No, I, I it's not going to happen. I don't see them paying the price that it's, that it, I, who knows, I could be wrong. And tomorrow we'll get breaking news you know, Roman head to Tampa for Glasnow, but I highly doubt it. If you guys could, for this is for both, if you guys could predict it, what do you think, you know, ultimately in terms of prospects that could kind of look like, um, you know, when it's all said and done in terms of what the Rays get back? Got to be a top top three prospect for sure in any, any system to start. Um, I mean, the Rays are going to want – uh, they're certainly not going to be able to dump money onto them, so they're going to want uh, cheap, affordable, controllable, uh, probably an arm, at least an arm or two. Um, I guess if it was just for the sake of the Red Sox, I mean, yeah, you probably would start with like Anthony or Meyer and then maybe throw in Hauk and a Crawford, or Crawford. I don't even know if that would get it done. You'd probably need a lot more, but it'd be a start. I would trade uh, on yeah. Before, would you trade Rafaela with Anthony or one or um, one or the other? There's not a chance in on this planet that I would give up Roman Anthony and Rafaela for a oh, guy that's, for a guy that has the arm history that he has yeah. and isn't a walk you. That's my biggest concern with Glass now. I mean, it's just yeah, the Reds just from a Boston standpoint, obviously durability has been an issue with all their starters. They desperately need someone who can take the ball every fifth day. And he's just, I mean, Glassdow, last time he's played more than 20 games was this year. It's just, he just doesn't, he doesn't stay healthy. And we've seen it too with Tampa Bay and their, their pitchers. They just wear them down until they break down and that's the end. And they'll move on to the next stud that they find, but uh, they don't exactly manage their arms very well the Braves gave up five players to get Aaron Bummer yes the other year of like what five last year wasn't it five point something uh six seven nine last year which okay. you know, the year before it was it was good but 
you know, granted there is, you know, there is some control with him. He still has, you know, he signed through 2026. Um, you can put him in a, a he's going to be part of a very, very good bullpen. But, you know, Soroka's a guy, again, this is another one that's in a walk year that has a ton of promise, but um, injuries have been an issue. I was very surprised to see that they gave up on uh, Jared Schuster in the in the deal. Um, I know they have, you know, um, a handful of really good young arms, but um, I feel like they just kind of gave up on Schuster in this deal. Um, you know, I – the other the other player like Nicky Lopez, like that to me, I thought was gonna be a potential um, you know, DFA candidate, but or non-tender rather, but he wasn't. So I think the um yeah, I thought the White Sox did very well in this deal. They got a you know, a, a high A uh pitching prospect. Um uh, I can't think of the kid's name. Um the other infielder at the moment that was a former first round pick. So uh, but to me, I thought I thought that um, I thought that Schuster is the most for me the most significant name. I know a lot of people focus on Soroka, but it was for me Schuster. I thought that uh, the former top pitching prospect going to the White Sox, and that's a team that that needs pitching. So I thought that uh, I thought they made out well. So I mean, the White Sox are going to be interesting to watch this just because of obviously they said they're blowing a list on anybody. Um, just so just see how many pieces they actually fell off. Um, you know, that's gonna be interesting to watch for the next couple weeks. The, the biggest I, question is gonna be Luis Robert, right? Yeah, but if I'm them, I, I don't really have a motivation to trade him. I agree. You know, I he's young, he's signed, and he's you know, you have a control, you know, he's a controlled asset. I like if I'm trading anybody, I would trade Jimenez because that's another guy that that's. I, Find me a year that Jimenez just doesn't get hurt. Yeah, you know, that's just another kid that that's constantly hits the shelf. You know, um, I just I don't see the motivation for the because of his age. And you know what I mean? Like, are you if you're trading Louis Rock, like you are completely tearing it down and rebuilding your, you know, your franchise. You know what I mean? Like he's someone you can build around. You just got some, you got a few controllable assets back. I mean, they're not cornerstones, but you got some controllable guys back. You know, I would try to trade Andrew Benintendi if I were them and maybe get out front of these, some of that contract, which I doubt he's got like a million left on it. Um, you know, you have to eat a ton of that money. So I, I think the White Sox are going to be interesting because people are, I think they're going to have to be absolutely blown out of the water to trade Roberts. And I think if, if you're the Red Sox, if literally, if I'm Chicago, I'm asking for both Meyer and I'm asking for Anthony. If I'm the White Sox, I'm not giving up. I'm digging my heels in because I don't need to trade him. And if I'm going to trade him, you're going to pay because he's young, portable and controlled. Yeah. That's why I don't put a lot of, I, I, I don't put much into the, into the Robert, um, Rumors that are all fan generated right now. You know what I mean? There hasn't been one, yeah. you know, legitimate source that's been like, oh, watch out for Robert to Boston. That's never been, you know, um, it's wishful thinking. You, you know what I mean? But I it just, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to living on the planet for now. Till, yeah. till someone, you know, until like like if John Heyman, you know, one night decides at like eleven thirty, uh, Red Sox are expressing interest in Luis Robert, then I'll be like, okay, you know, at least I know people are with Heyman, but like to me, that's someone who could cast, you know, like okay, there's there's some likes to this, but. Well, uh, I feel like that too. It's like if they do that trade, they are complete, like completely restarting. So, might as well sell the team. Moving to Vegas. Everyone's going to Vegas. Vegas. Put two teams up. Vegas and Nashville. I'd love a team in Nashville. That's different pod, but if they could put a team in Nashville, I would love that. I think they do better than Vegas. I think they'll do better than Vegas. I think Vegas initially. I mean, we've seen it with the Golden Knights. We'll have a spark, but I mean, they'll be better than Oakland. But. I I think with that, just like if you're a player like high to summer going to Vegas, those games are gonna be brutal. If it's like an open, like they have to do a dome stadium because midsummer that would be brutal. Well, gentlemen, that is the uh, just a quick little Red Sox notes episode. A little bit of uh, you know other stuff sprinkled in. Uh, we'll be back with some other episodes of the Obstructive View Red Sox podcast as this postseason, off season rather. Sorry, it's late. Uh, continues to uh, roll on. Um, make sure you head on over to beyondthemonster.substack.com and hit that subscribe button. You'll get all of the latest content that drops daily. Um, just need your email address also head on over to apple Podcasts or spotify type in beyond the monster hit that follow button and every time a new podcast drops you'll get notified check out the roman anthony speaking of roman anthony's uh check out our uh podcast with uh, roman anthony um he doesn't do many of those uh those podcasts so uh, uh we were able to uh, lock him down as anzonatello is there um Gary Sheffield Jr.'s podcast. We had one with him um, amongst other players, Joe Jakes. Um, and then once once Thanksgiving passes, the uh, to the show we go, Red so- um, it's not the Red Sox podcast. Wow. A- Andrew would be very upset with me saying that. <laughs> the to the show we go baseball podcast. Rather, um, it is, uh, we have a loaded lineup coming out of uh, Turkey Day. It is a loaded podcast lineup. So um, gentlemen, till next time.